0: Alright, so once again, welcome back to Sports of Sam and Steve on WFNM 89.1. I'm joined today by Stephen Thaddle Nussbaum, like always. Steve, let's get started with the NFL. Um, There's a lot going on with the NFL, uh, including a lot of issues uh, adhering to COVID-19 protocol that the league has put forth. A few things that have happened just in the past few weeks. There was a story that came out earlier this week. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and a few other Giants players were seen out at bars in New York City without masks. Um, the NFL has said that they will not be disciplining them. Um, but whatever discipline that the team wants to levy on on um the players will be determined from there. Uh, but yeah, this is wrong. <laughs> this is bad. This is eerily similar to the boat picture from a couple of years ago when the giants were in the playoffs in miami with odell and sterling Shepard and all those guys and you know look at what's happened since this is an eerily eerily similar situation steve
1: well you got to understand why the nfl is not levying any sort of punishment there because in no way shape or form did daniel jones saquon barkley or anybody else on the giants violate any sort of covid policy they gathered together in a private restaurant that was closed for business anyways uh the, the problem a the problem you could argue is that they just weren't wearing masks but th- these are teammates that are in close quarters every day of the week in practice and are on game day and if any punishment is going to come down it would really honestly be surprising to me because they didn't violate any rules you know the the optics of it aren't great but they didn't break any rules. The biggest problem in that video that you referenced to me is seeing Saquon Bar Saquon Barkley doing a wheelie on a bike after just tearing his ACL a few weeks ago. Yeah,
0: and he's scheduled for surgery coming up in I think I believe next week. So like that that definitely is a concern, but I think that there's a lot that that needs to be kind of worked through here. And if like I think that the NFL you know, has put forth these, these ideas of what to do in these situations. Like you have to be smart. Like one, one guy gets infected, a, a whole outbreak happens on a team and it's not good. And I think that the NFL has tried to push this narrative that you have to be smart in your time outside of the, outside of the facility. They know that it's not their, jurisdiction to say what you can and can't do, but for the good of the season and for the good of your team, you have to be careful. And to me, it seems like they kind of violated that in a little bit. You're 100% right.
1: I mean, they definitely have to understand the consequences of anything they do in terms of COVID, uh, not only in terms of their teammates, but in the public eye as well. A video like that just can't get out uh, and then have any expectations that they're not going to get... Called out
0: on it, hundred percent, and like I think that whatever is coming to them will definitely be warranted. I mean, the team is one in six. You, you, there, there's a lot more that that they should be focusing on than going out to a going out to a bar and getting drunk and doing wheelies. (laughs) You know, like there's there's a football team that they have to focus on that right now isn't producing and honestly should be. You know, they've had how many top ten overall picks the past few years, and what have they done with it? Nothing. I mean Andrew Thomas Andrew Thomas right now is looking like a train wreck. I, I there there was a story that came out that was saying that his coach from college at Georgia was looking more at his uh at his technique and he thinks that's what the problem that's what the problem is because scouts across across the country thought that he was he was the most NFL ready of any any offensive tackle prospect in the draft last year. And yet we're here having him just having Daniel Jones under constant pressure. And, you know, we're, we were led to believe that this would be an NFL-ready kind of offensive tackle. And here we are with him not producing. And, I mean, keep going from there. You got, you got uh, Saquon, who's now on the shelf. You got all of these guys that they picked pretty early on in the draft who haven't produced the way that they should be. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean- so again, it's, very, it's eerily similar to that boat picture. It's eerily similar because it has that it has that sense that they're focusing on other things they're focusing on the on the lives of a of an nfl player outside of the outside of the facility and outside of the team than they are inside i think if you're producing it's one thing it's one thing to be a little bit full of yourself and be like yeah i'm cool i can go and go on a boat on my time off in miami because i have i have the talent to, to not necessarily focus on the team but they're one in six <laughs> They they haven't earned the right yet to be full of themselves. They haven't, you know? At this point,
1: not at this point. Yeah, and Daniel Jones uh, definitely has not earned that right either.
0: Oh, one hundred percent.
1: Especially at performance uh, against the Eagles.
0: <sighs> I mean, look, the performance against the Eagles wasn't wasn't necessarily bad. I think that a lot of what a lot of it lies on Evan Ingram. Because of that drop pass, if that if he catches that that perfectly thrown ball by Daniel Jones, may I add, the whole game has changed. They probably go on to win. Frankly, that was that was a turning point there because they let the Eagles get the ball back. The Eagles went down and scored. I think that that was a big the the big problem with that game. I don't think that Daniel Jones played a particularly bad game. I think that both teams are are lacking in some very, very clear categories, but I don't think Daniel Jones was particularly bad. I mean, he was finding... he was... Making some good throws, he found some some receivers. He found Sterling Shepard. He had an 80 yard run that should have been a touchdown, but we're not going to, to bring that
1: up. If you talk to the average person, what do you remember about the Giants Eagles game? That's exactly what they're going to bring well, up. Yeah, I Look, remember Daniel Jones running 80 yards, no one around him, and uh, the turf monster catching him.
0: I mean, yes, that, that that stunk, but it's it, but it's forgivable because they scored on that drive. Okay. That's that's what I would say. Like while while it stinks he should have scored himself, they ended up scoring on that drive. It would be a different story if they didn't score. If they if they kicked the field goal or didn't score at all, I think it would be a totally different story and I think that that would be all on him. But when they go when you go and score on that drive afterwards, it just becomes it just becomes a a you know kind of laughing matter. It doesn't become anything doesn't become anything too bad, you know? So I again I think that a lot of the blame has to has to lie on Evan Ingram because there is clearly something going on there. I mean, his hands are made out of stone or something. But like it's this has been a constant theme with him. Yet another early early pick that isn't producing for the Giants. And and it's just his his career in general has been has been mired with injuries and and trouble catching the ball and distractions and all that stuff and I mean, look, you you gotta. It leads to a point where you gotta think. You know, is this is this the right team for him? Is this the right fit for him? So, sorry for going on a little bit of rant about that. Oh, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, continuing on, so we talked a few weeks ago about um, how Tennessee, how the Tennessee Titans had a big COVID cluster in their team. Uh, they ended up being fined three hundred fifty dollar, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Sorry, my apologies for uh, their their conduct in that time that their facility was on lockdown a bunch of players went to a high school gym and worked out in the interim um so i mean yes that's how it should be i think it's not harsh enough personally i think that they even even if even if other teams are are breaking these protocols i i do believe that something needs to happen for other teams to be like whoa we need to we need to actually like focus on this because at at the same time you know it's it's rough to take away draft picks and rough to to charge more money and all that. But, you know, I feel like... I feel like this is something that the NFL needs to do to make sure that other teams aren't going and just blatantly disregarding what the NFL has put forth to try and get the season to finish. And, and so be it if it's the Titans. I don't think it's necessarily that any other team is doing it, like, like I'm sure other teams are doing it. Like, other teams are, are, like, we just talked about the Giants. Like, there's clearly some teams that are not necessarily adhering to the protocols as well as other ones are, and the Titans just happen to be the first ones. That's, that's all it is. I think that, yeah. Absolutely. I
1: mean, there, the, the other thing is that there are many lessons to be learned from what happened with the Titans. I mean, the, it's the communication factor that was missing there. The head of the teams weren't communicating with players that even though the facility was shut down, that they didn't want them to go elsewhere to practice. Um, players weren't wearing masks. They, you know, There was a lot of um, ambiguity on what the team wanted their, out of their players. And that's really where the situation uh, stems from. The fine uh, is really nothing compared to what the NFL has had to go through rescheduling two games because of it. Which is you know a massive problem for the NFL to deal with, and I'm hearing now that it's, um, it's possible that the NFL might have messed up some aspects of their investigation, and in order to prevent that from coming out, that's why the punishment was so lackluster.
0: I mean, <laughs> come on, <laughs> like, like this is, again. This is a very, a very similar occurrence to. I mean, not not going to say. Exactly the same because clearly it isn't because but it seems similar to the Astros thing where the the investigation didn't go in depth it didn't like it didn't take into account a lot of factors and just kind of became a slap on the wrist like the NFL has a season that they need to finish they have a fan they have fan bases that want to see their teams play they have revenue that they have to make one way or another like. Everything about a COVID cluster is bad for the league and bad for teams.
1: I remember being on this show a few weeks ago and saying that I think that at any moment this... The, the year could be canceled. the season could be canceled. yeah for the and,
0: and we talked it's about we perfect. talked about how the MLB was was trying when they had all of those problems with players not adhering to to the protocols, they put compliance officers in place, they, they changed their protocols around to, to better suit the current situation, and it worked out better in the, the second half of the season. It shocks me that we've had now clusters all over the place. You know the, the Patriots had Cam Newton test positive. The Chiefs had a guy test positive. The Titans had a cluster. Um, there's definitely a bunch more off the top of my head that I can't think of. But, the, like it's it's crazy to me that the NFL hasn't done more to try and try and mitigate the risk here. You know, it, it like how do we how do we go forth and make sure that the players are adhering to the protocols and make sure that we finish a season right now, because right now it's not looking very good. It really right. isn't
1: just to complete your list. Just in the last week, the Raiders saints, Panthers, Jaguars, bills, and Falcons have all placed players on the COVID list.
0: Yeah. So like that, exactly. That's ridiculous. That's how many teams now that have, that have had players test positive. What over 10, right? Yeah. Like, come on. It took it took big clusters on the Cardinals, the Marlins, and the Mets for the MLB to realize, hey, guess what? We got to do something or else that this is not going to work out. It's taking the NFL now, how many teams? 10 plus teams having COVID clusters and nothing's changed. I, I don't understand it. I don't get what they're doing here.
1: Well, we just have to hope something more comes out of this Titans investigation that I, won't, I hope that they learned something from the investigation about what the team did wrong, what the league did wrong, messaging, interactions between players. There there has to be a learning moment out of this investigation more than just the punishment. Definitely. And that's why I'm not so focused on the $350,000. More than that, I want to hear about what the league is going to change and what they're going to do differently. For the future.
0: Definitely, and I totally agree. I want to see I want to see some lasting change come out of this f- to to make sure that we get through the rest of the season with limited interruption. And and as it's as it said, like even this week a uh, uh, an article came out with uh, the NF somebody from the NFL uh, commissioner's office was talking about how how hard it's been to, to reschedule games and to, to work around these limitations. And it's looking like if, if, if they have more issues, they might have to even cancel games, which is just ridiculous. I, I think that these are, these are grown men. They are literally grown men and they can't figure out how to, how to, you know, adhere to these protocols. Like it's just ridiculous to me, you know, it really is. Anyway, no more rants. I've already been on two rants this this show. I had one last week. I'm turning into Don Lagreca. We need to just relax, calm down. It'll be okay. <laughs> get
1: into some of the games from this week.
0: All right. Um. So from this week, okay, we had a few a few major highlights that we wanted to just kind of talk about. Uh, DK Metcalf is awesome. Can I'm we? Like- like, this man is the size of a linebacker and runs like, runs like a cheetah. And he chased down a cornerback as, like, what he's, like, 6'5", 200-something, right? Yeah. Like, he chased down a, a corner, like, 80 yards and made sure that he didn't score a pick six. Like, come on. That was awesome. He, he yeah, closed kind of on way. him so quick. He, like, ran from across the field. It was awesome. That man is an athletic freak. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. That was just kind of one one highlight that I wanted to talk about. There's a bunch of others as well. Um, The Jets are still really bad at football. Uh, I don't think very much has changed with that. They're terrible. Um,
1: the The Bills didn't look so good either, to be honest.
0: The Bills didn't look so good, but the Jets are just dreadful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, when I first turned that Jets game on, I thought that Sam Darnold was kind of slinging it. He looked pretty good at the beginning, and then the wheels just fell off the bus.
0: I, I think that there's going to be a lot of blame put on him when he doesn't deserve very much of it. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot wrong with that team. I think that it starts with the coaching. When, everybody knew that Adam Gase isn't exactly a good coach. I mean, look at what Ryan Tannehill became when he left. When he left. Uh, when he left Miami, look at how good he became. Like the Titans are what six and one now? They're fantastic.
1: Yeah, the the, the culture around the Jets is not a positive one after Le'Veon Bell left. You know, they say nobody's safe.
0: Well, and... Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell was just tired of losing. and I don't blame him at all. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy kind of wasted a few of his great years with this team it, it's it's kind of sad to be totally honest and now he now he's on the Chiefs, so he'll 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 be doing pretty well for himself i mean that that two-headed monster of edwards allaire and 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 levion bell is nasty nasty like so good
1: but yeah but just getting back to the jets like <laughs> just like you said uh there's a lot of problems to deal with on that one
0: yeah a few weeks ago uh, a power rankings from espn came out uh, on, on ESPN's power rankings, they show the record and then what their what their struggle is. So the Jets were were ranked dead last, and it said their struggle was football. So <laughs> <Not> <laughs> like wrong. like e- every every aspect of the game, they're really struggling with. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I could see an 0 and sixteen. I really don't think it's going to happen. There, I, I there's too many things that need to go wrong. I know that a lot of them are going wrong right now for the Jets, but I, I mean. Like, just in terms of like, oh, sixteen teams, just in general. We had the two thousand eight Lions, right? They had literally everything go wrong, everything. And this was a team that actually had some talent. Like, Mike, Matthew Stafford isn't a bad quarterback. They had Megatron, like they were. They had pieces there. It just everything fell apart. And I don't think necessarily that the Jets are at that point where it's just kind of like completely demoralized type of, of football just yet we, we might be getting there but I don't think that they're there yet I could see them snaking out a win at one point or another
1: well they got a rough one coming up this week against the Chiefs
0: oh god Le'Veon Bell's about to have 350,000 yards okay
1: yeah, I'm, not, I'm starting him in my fantasy league <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is classic and I love it okay um Baker versus Burrow wow
1: Matchup! What a, what a finish, dude! What an incredible finish! I mean, yeah. I I love both of these guys, uh, Baker and Burrow. Both uh, I still view them as as college guys, you know, college frat boys in a way. Of course. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, watching Burrow come back right at the end, sticking it to Baker. I thought the game was over, and Baker comes right back, scores a touchdown in the last few seconds, takes it right back. You know stabbing people in the heart
0: i mean Ain't yeah definitely it? i think that it was a lot closer of a game too because of odell beckham jr's injury um yeah, i
1: think i think that that was baker's best game in the league so far
0: I, that does not surprise me at all and it, even still and this is again him doing it without odell beckham who is now out for the year with a torn acl um that's exceptional i mean that's that's their number one receiver right there they still have jarvis landry but that's their number one receiver right there and now he's out for the rest of the year, and Baker still killed it. So, and and that's not a uh, knock on Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow was pretty good too. I mean, they were just they were just duking it out the entire game.
1: So, yeah, I mean, one of the things that they mentioned on the broadcast about Joe Burrow is that he, he never led a you know game-winning drive at the end, and it looked like he had just done that for the yeah. first time in his, in his NFL career. And I was happy to see it. huge progress for, you know, the young guy. But then the clutch Baker Mayfield comes in <laughs> and, like I said, stabs him in the heart. Yeah. How- Takes the game right out from under him. I mean, and how
0: crazy is it, thought- though? He saw a great thing. Yeah. How crazy thing? is it, though, that we're talking about the Browns like this when just a few years ago they were dreadful? When they had – just a few years ago they had Brandon Whedon starting, the 27-year-old rookie starting at quarterback. <laughs> And now, now we're looking at them as like a, a serious, solid competitor in the league. Like, hey, man, they're five; they're five and two, I, and they're good. They look yeah. great.
1: So, it's, yeah, like you said, this uh, Odell Beckham Jr. injury is going to be pretty bad.
0: Definitely, definitely for a stretch run. I mean, that's a that's a guy that has a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of energy, and I think that for for to go deep into the playoffs, you need guys like that that are like energizer bunnies that that really keep the team going. But
1: on the other hand, he hasn't been that big of a producer for the Browns in many games this year. He's had one good game where he scored, I think, three touchdowns. Other than that, he's he's been a little lackluster. He's not been living up to the hype around his name,
0: even 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 without the stats. He still uh, he still contributes to the team, whether it be drawing, drawing more coverage and stuff like that. So it is definitely a blow. It, I, think that, I think that Baker's going to have to w- learn to work around different schemes now because they're not worrying as much about a second receiver. Uh, I think that he's going to have to rely a lot on Jarvis Landry, and I think that Jarvis Landry is going to get a lot of attention. So he's, he's definitely going to have to change his game plan a little bit. But like you said, yes, yes, Odell Beckham hasn't necessarily been, been that guy in terms of stats, but he's, been, he's always been that guy in terms of star power always has since since he broke into the league he's always been that guy who who draws who draws attention i mean just look at look at his fight with josh norman all those years ago he was always the guy that 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 people paid attention to and wanted to get into his head so i I mean i think it's still going to be a blow regardless of how the stats look but you know it's just like baker's definitely going to need to work on some some things to change his game plan up a little bit
1: yeah, I hope you wish for a speedy recovery,
0: I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of speedy recoveries, uh, Ron Rivera, head coach of the Washington football team, finishes cancer treatments. Congrats to Ron. I mean, I know earlier, I, I think it was over the summer, he was diagnosed with, with lymphoma, and he finishes cancer treatments. He's been coaching throughout all of it, which is honestly amazing. The fact that the guy is coaching in a pandemic while go- undergoing cancer treatments is really honestly fantastic good for him i'm glad that he's he's done with that and now he can focus on on the football team and not not his health which i'm very very happy to say he's now in remission so or at least we think god willing you know uh moving on from that uh one terrible thing that happened this past week in the nfl uh john bostick linebacker for the washington football team as we were just talking about had a very dirty late hit on Andy Dalton. It was a bi- direct helmet-to-helmet hit. Uh, gave Andy Dalton a terrible concussion. As you know, uh, the Dallas Cowboys were already on their, their backup quarterback as Dak Prescott was done for a year and Andy Dalton was filling in. Now Ben, it was left to Ben DiNucci. Uh, I believe seventh-round draft pick. Uh, did not go well. <laughs> Uh, The Cowboys are definitely going to need some help at quarterback. It's looking like Andy Dalton might be out for a little while. It was definitely a very, very late, very dirty, very, very rough hit. So they're definitely going to need some some help at quarterback. There's been some talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's been some talk about... Even this this one this one I thought was absolutely crazy, and I don't think it will ever happen. There, were, I mean it 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 gets brought up every time that there's a quarterback opening. But they were talking about the Cowboys signing Colin Kaepernick, which will ne- I, I have a feeling will never happen. Jerry Jones was like the leader behind the whole blacklist Kaepernick thing. I mean he's a very powerful owner in the NFL, and he's you know from Texas. He's he's very conservative in that way, and so he felt that. He he's he was very adamant about not letting Kaepernick back into the league once he left once he left San Francisco, so that's not going to happen. Although somebody wanted it to happen, wherever I read that, but
1: yeah, I, I see your point on that one. I do think that there there could be a trade in the works for Fitz for Ryan Fitzpatrick now that he's been benched for Tua in Miami. Uh,
0: I, I see. You know, I I mean, look, yeah. And he didn't deserve to be benched. We also have to we also have to mention that he did not deserve to be benched at all. It, he was playing pretty pretty well all things considered. You go by the history
1: Fitzmagic always plays incredible at the beginning of the season, okay? And then around week 7, week 8, he falls off a cliff. And I think that the team might be hedging their bet on this one and Putting in their new young guy, seeing what they can get out of him. I, I do see that they're in a playoff in the playoff hunt. I you know, this is one of those decisions, either it works or it doesn't.
0: Definitely. But
1: going by history, I do see where the team is coming from.
0: But it definitely it definitely does make make Ryan Fitzpatrick expendable. You know, they have the Dolphins are, are putting their faith in this young guy, Tui Tua Vallala, right? I, I don't know if I am saying his his last name correctly. Um I'm just gonna keep with tua so (laughs) so yeah they're putting they're putting their faith in tua and you know ryan fitzpatrick is a veteran quarterback he's a pretty good locker room presence he's smart i mean he went to harvard so you know i i think that the cowboys wouldn't would be honestly doing themselves a disservice not even looking into him so they definitely should inquire they should inquire about a bunch of guys um you know there's I mean, even Gardner Minshew, who's probably going to get get benched in Jacksonville if he doesn't produce, look into him. You know they 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 have they have options out there, yeah. and you know I I just don't think that that ben De- <laughs> uh sorry. I don't think that Ben DiNucci is the answer right now. I think that they need a guy to step in for for a couple of weeks and really, really produce for them a little bit and and hopefully get them to even win the division because the NFC East is still a mess. And they still have a chance to make it, even with two wins.
1: You're 100% right. I mean, the big story coming out of that game is that some believe that there's a culture issue going on in the Cowboys locker room. Not one player on the Cowboys came to the defense of Andy Dalton after that hit. Nobody got in the face of that Redskins defense defenseman. And uh, a lot of people are saying that there's a real lack of leadership on the team because of
0: that. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I Mike McCarthy got run out of Green Bay. Okay. And, 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 you know, instead of instead of taking a flyer on a new guy they they went with the the proven guy who yes he's won a Super Bowl but he hasn't done much in a, in a couple of years you know in, in in a while meanwhile you know they they could have taken a flyer like this is this is one thing that I will give the Giants a lot of credit for i think giving Joe Judge the opportunity was great i think that he is doing the best he can with what he has but you know he's hard on the players, and I don't think that Mike McCarthy has ever had that reputation. So it it's I, I think that they went the wrong path by not grooming their own guy. You know, by by taking a chance by by bringing in a young guy. Like look at look at you know Sean McVay and and all those guys, these young guys who are coming into teams. I mean Joe Judge is what thirty eight, Sean McVay is thirty five or something like that. Like, these young guys that are coming into teams and building a culture. Meanwhile, you have Mike McCarthy, who's, I believe, in his 50s or 60s. He's He's been around for a long time, and he's not necessarily done very much recently. So I, I think that they definitely did themselves a disservice by, by bringing in Mike McCarthy, and I think that that would definitely lead to a culture problem.
1: I can see where you're coming from. So a lot of people are blaming him.
0: Yeah. After, after that hit, by the way, John Bostic is not expected to be suspended. That's ridiculous. Like, Absolutely.
1: That was a dirty hit. It was, dirty. it
0: was a dirty hit. Like, No doubt in my mind that was a dirty hit, and it's ridiculous that he's not getting yeah. at least some punishment for it. Absolutely
1: ridiculous. The quarterback ridiculous. was giving himself up. It was helmet to helmet. He drove the, the, the shoulder in. There's no reason in my mind that he should not be punished for that action. Even
0: Even a game... Like, a game wouldn't be enough, but a game and a fine, like, something. It, it just seems to me that this is, like, basically telling, telling Andy Dalton that he doesn't matter. Just ridiculous. 100%. Okay. I think, uh, one quick note before we move on. Antonio Brown, the troubled wide receiver, to say the least, has signed with Tampa Bay for one year, 2.5 mil. Uh, I think that's what the, the deal max is out at. There's a bunch of incentives for receptions, catches, yards, all that. Um, we'll see how this goes. I know Tom Brady was pushing for him to get signed by Tampa Bay. You know, Tom Brady is is kind of building a building a uh, a little bit of an arsenal down there. He's got Mike Evans, he's got he's got Antonio Brown now. He's got Mike, uh, he's got um, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got Rob Gronkowski as well. Uh Todd Gurley, right? As well on the Buccaneers?
1: Uh Gurley's on the Uh Falcons.
0: Ah! Oh, Leguer No. Leonard Fournette is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry. Leonard Fournette as well. He's got he's got some weapons. He's definitely got some weapons down there. I I, <laughs> I mean it's definitely it's definitely hard for a guy like Tom Brady to go and learn a new system after being in in Bill Belichick's system for, you know, twenty years of his career. So but he's been doing pretty well, and now he's got now he's got some major major targets. So,
1: Tom, uh, Rob Gronkowski's really turning it on as well. It's starting to look like his old self.
0: I think it. Had, I think he needed some time just to get back into the swing of things. Definitely. I mean, being, he was out of there.
1: being in retirement for that long. Must take a little bit out of you. I remember seeing a picture of him. He was so skinny. Yeah. Remember seeing that picture, and now he's now he bolted little, right
0: back up. up again. Yeah.
1: But uh, on the Antonio Brown note. Tom Brady must love this guy for some reason. He, he got him called in when he was on the Patriots. Now he got it called in now that he's on the Buccaneers. They must have some sort of connection. I hope it manifests on the well, field.
0: I mean, I mean, why not? The guy, the guy is a fantastic receiver, despite despite his off-field issues. He's a fantastic receiver. I mean, he was on the Madden cover at one point. Like he he is a star player. He just needs to sort his own his own personal issues out. If he were if he were able to to separate those things, I think he'd be a, a star in this league again. I really do. I don't. I don't think that we've seen the last of of the the brilliant brilliant play of Antonio Brown. And and I'm hoping I'm hoping that this is his wake up call. I really am.
1: I hope you're right because you know he's not getting a second chance.
0: Oh no, he's already gotten a second and third chance. He's never gonna like. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, he. this is his opportunity to show that he's that he's matured and changed definitely so i hope it goes well for him i hope i hope tom brady's happy (laughs) uh one more thing actually before we move on uh des bryant today signed with the baltimore ravens practice squad so des bryant is back in the league it has been a while after his after his you know his tenure with the saints where he was producing and then unfortunately tore his, he, he, it. He was in his first game as a saint. He was producing doing pretty well and then, then ruptured his Achilles, but I'm glad to see him back. I mean, for a while there, he was a great receiver. I, again, another guy whose off field issues have kind of come back to bite him, but in, in less of a, in less of a way than Antonio Brown, for sure. But I'm happy to see him back. Um, I hope he produces for the, for the, uh, Ravens and, maybe we'll see him on the field this season i mean he's on the practice squad right now but i can't imagine that he'll stay there for very long it's probably just a matter of getting him conditioned and ready to go okay moving on to the mlb so we got world series game six coming up tonight uh this world series has been everything we expected it really has it's been fantastic
1: i mean it has been fantastic all all my expectations the rays are a phenomenal team They've stuck it out. Like I didn't really expect them to come this far, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, Randy, Randy's incredible. Randy Orzera. What a guy! And G Man is incredible. Uh, I love watching the Rays. And yeah. yes, during the last game, uh, Clayton Kershaw pitched phenomenally. All right, the whole time I was afraid of the classic Kershaw meltdown, but it never came to fruition.
0: It hasn't all postseason. He's been great. He really has. Maybe he finally got, maybe he finally, you know, went to an exorcist or something, but got those demons out because he's been pitching fantastic this, this postseason. He's really turned it on, turned it up to 11, like all that kind of stuff. Um, And yeah, he's been fantastic. The, The Dodgers in general, their pitching staff has been pretty good. You know, Mr. Tight Pants Walker Bueller as well has been doing pretty well. He's continuing with the tight pants tradition, by the way. I would just like to let everybody know that um, he did he did wear them, I believe, in game two. Um, but yeah, uh, Dustin May has been fantastic out of the bullpen. I mean, he consistently hits 100 miles per hour. He's probably going to be in the starting rotation next year. Um, but as far as Tampa Bay has gone, they have had they have not made it easy. They really have not. They oh, have that was
1: so, an incredible finish.
0: Oh, uh, so game, game 5. Uh game 4. Game 4. Excuse me, game 4, correct. So, game 4, uh if you didn't watch, basically it ended um on a hit to right field off of Kenley Jansen. That scored the tying run. Um the ball trickled away from Chris Taylor, I believe it was. Uh it was it was right center. So, Chris Taylor, it trickled away from him. Uh and that made Rosarena round third. Uh, the ball got got thrown to the cutoff man who threw it to the catcher who tried to sweep and, and tag, but the ball got out of his mitt and Kenley Jansen did not back up s- uh, the catcher. So Randy Rosarena, who had fallen down on third baseline, got up and scored. Like, it was it was kind of a... Uh, it was a wild ending to a game. It was a Little League ending almost. But the fact of the matter is the Tampa Bay Rays, I think strike that fear in that team i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of worry that they're going to do something crazy all the time i mean even in game five manuel margot tried to steal home like that's not something that happens
1: yeah so that play you just mentioned that that's the first double error to ever end a world series game
0: exactly i think i and and the dodgers who are known for fantastic defense messed it up and, and part of that is the fact that the Rays are a very intimidating team. But I also think part of that is just that you never know what's going to happen in baseball. That's why I love the sport. It's, it's so... it's n- No two games are ever alike. No two games ever have the same kind of feel. No two games ever have the same story. <laughs> like
1: So speaking about not ever knowing what's going to happen, what's your prediction for tonight? I,
0: this is hard. Because... I've been rooting for the Rays since the ALCS. I have. I know you haven't. Or no, you've been you you have since since the NLD. I mean the ALDS. You've been, you know, kind of sad, but uh, because they beat hey, the Yankees. Yeah. But personally, personally,
1: I just didn't want the Astros to make it. Which
0: so. I, honestly, I think that none nobody, no self-respecting baseball fan other than those in Houston wanted them to make it. So. Honestly, thank God for the Rays on that. On in that sense, but you know, I, I I've been rooting for them since since they since they beat the Yankees back back in the NLDS. Or, sorry, ALDS. Um, yeah, they're they're fantastic. They're really they're they're a great team. I I do want to see it get to Game Seven. I feel like this this series with how crazy it's been deserves to get to a Game Seven. I think that the MLB for their well being needs it to get to a Game Seven, but. You know who's on? Do we know who's on the mound tonight?
1: Yeah, it's a uh, Blake Snell. Blake Snell, Tony Gosselin.
0: Tony Gosselin. That that's probably the the, the Rays' best chance there. That's probably the Rays' best chance. I mean, that's that's yeah. not even a weak link in their rotation, but it is the weakest link that they have. Because I mean, they're not gonna they're they're gonna struggle to win off of Kershaw and Bueller. We know that. And I mean Dustin May pitched pitched two nights ago. He's probably available. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to work a little bit. They're really gonna have to fight. I wanna see it get to a game seven, I wanna see the Rays win the World Series, but this Dodgers team is fantastic. So I, I yeah. think I think that it's hard to make a it's hard to make a, a prediction right now, from my sense. But just to let just let it be known that I want the Rays to win in seven.
1: <laughs> How about you? Hey, look, I mean, I think the Dodgers looked phenomenal in Game 6. I think that they will be able to jump on Blake Snell tonight. And I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series tonight. Yeah. Take to the bank. Fair enough. And uh, Kershaw will finally get his ring.
0: I, I mean, we will see. We will see. Um, just some quick breaking news. Emerson Griffin uh the the cowboys defensive end was traded to the lions for a conditional 6th round pick i mean he's a great he's a great player um he's i mean he's getting older but you know he's been a, he's been a pretty dominant defensive lineman for a while so uh good for him for getting off of the cowboys and getting to another somewhat mediocre team but it's okay it's not the cowboys good for him <laughs> Back back to the MLB. That was just a quick. Still,
1: still no QB. Still the, no QB.
0: That's that's. I, I yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe the. Uh, I mean, the Lions should have traded should have traded them one of their backups or something. Cause like, geez, I feel I bad, bad for those Cowboys. Involving
1: the Cowboys, they didn't get a QB. But I guess they're making moves otherwise. I I,
0: I guess they're looking for the future. They want to um. Uh, they want to uh, crew some gra- draft capital. I guess. Um, yeah. So who are the Rays? <laughs> can we can we just get back to that like this team is full of nobodies (laughs) like i I think before this series we heard of maybe maybe blake snell and and manuel margot like or before before this season like who's brandon lau who's randy arrozarena who's all of a sudden a a postseason record holder i mean oh my god this team is good and they came from nowhere like, I, I think that we can't put enough emphasis on that. The fact that they are literally a pack of nobodies and they are killing it. That's the that's my favorite
1: part about this team. I, just like you mentioned, these they're not nobodies, man. Don't sleep on the race. I'm not, man. I'm
0: not, I, I don't mean, I didn't mean that they're nobodies. I just mean that they're not, they're mean. not I like brand names. Mean. They're not, they're not guys like a, they don't have, other than, other than Blake Snell, they don't have a star player. I know you what know? you meant. I know what you meant.
1: I know exactly what you meant. And it just goes to show you that the Rays have had the highest return on investment in terms of payroll out of any team in the league. They make it all the way to the World Series with one of the lowest payrolls in the entire league. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible how this ball club was put together. Well, I
0: think that there was a stat. I think that we talked about this last time. There was a stat that came up that the entirety of the Rays roster during the World Series is making less money than Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, and I believe, like, I believe Cody Bellinger combined. That's the entirety of the Tampa Bay Rays roster. 25 guys are making less in this World Series than three guys on the Dodgers are. How insane is that? Really I mean, incredible. really, really awesome. Once again, that's why I'm, I'm rooting for them. They're just, they're, they're so cool. They're fantastic. I, I'm excited for that. Moving on, um... So, in Mets news, Steve Cohen passed the ownership committee a few days ago. That was, like, the the first kind of step for him to to finally being approved to become the Mets owner. Um, there... There is talk that the final vote with all 29 other MLB owners will be taking place on Wednesday. So, literally, like, basically... (laughs) But the, the earliest it could happen is Wednesday. I believe that the owner's meeting is supposed to happen the day after the World Series. So it would either be Wednesday or Thursday. Excuse me. Um, there is some worry that this deal could still not go through. There is a stipulation in the Mets lease agreement for their stadium from 2006 that basically says that the mayor of New York City has the, has the jurisdiction to nix a potential owner for the Mets... If he feels that there is a, a bad connotation to it. <laughs> like, it, it, I think they have to either have been committed of a crime or have some moral, moral problems for them that make it so that they can't own the team. And there's still some talk. There's still some talk that this could happen. A lot of people are... Yeah, Steve. And it's not just uh, whether the deal goes through or not.
1: If the mayor's office drags his feet and this goes on long enough the Mets could miss out
0: on some big free agents. Totally. And and look, there's, for those of you that don't know, Bill de Blasio doesn't exactly have very many fans in New York City. Okay? He's not exactly the most popular guy in the world. So, put this into perspective. A little bit less than half of baseball fans in New York City are going to be alienated from the mayor of New York City if he, if he, you know torpedoes this deal i i mean he is in his lame duck term let's be real he is he he cannot run again so he's kind of just biding his time if he were to if he were to mess this up he would never be able to show his face in new york again never never because mets fans have struggled for so long with terrible ownership and there's a guy that wants to come in, wants to spend money, wants to make the Mets a contender, which they haven't had in forever. And it could all hinge on the on the mayor of New York City saying, yeah, I don't like him. Come on. Come
1: on. The only thing I can think of here is de Blasio wants to make some sort of stand because of Cohen's past uh, troubles with money management and the sec fine the only that he he received uh in 2016 i think the only
0: problem with that okay is that it was his company and he was never found to have any 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 true connection to it his company was forced to pay this 1.8 billion dollar fine but then his company went bust he started a new one and since then he's been pretty clean that being said he was never actually indicted in any of this it was always that it was his company he so, was not indicted
1: for any crimes, but he was barred from managing money for his clients for two years.
0: Yeah. That was which which is, a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a moral concern, but I honestly don't think that, that these, these should have bearings on him wanting to buy a team. <laughs> especially a team. Especially a private business. I'm sorry. I understand that this is a stipulation in the lease agreement, but come on. <laughs> like... Mets fans have been struggling for years and this is a guy that has billions of dollars that wants to spend the money. I know. And look how politics might get in the way. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. It,
1: we'll see what happens. It,
0: this is, this is the, this is the irony of being a Mets fan. You could get your hopes up all you want, but they're just going to be let down in the end. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, we will see how that goes. That being said, I honestly don't think much is going to happen of it. A lot of, the, a lot of the talk was that it was coming from Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, who was trying to, you know, meddle a little bit. He he, partic- he doesn't particularly like Steve Cohen. He actually hates Steve Cohen. He was the sole no-vote in the ownership committee, the, the first step that he just had a few days ago. Um, the feeling is that he's going to drag three or four maybe even five owners with him on the no side, but he's but but the feeling is that he's still going to get approved. And also, Bill de Blasio did acknowledge it, and he said that there are legal departments looking over it. If, if they don't find any, any wrongdoing, I don't see them nixing this deal. But it's still a concern to have, because they do have the jurisdiction to say something. Um, okay, at the end of the season, uh, Rob Manford believes that the league will be $8.3 billion in debt after costs of shortened shortened season with empty stadiums. Um, all that stuff, I mean... Look, the league has been losing money for a while. This is just kind of another big blow. They need to get fans in the seats. They need to get fans coming to games. They need to get fans buying merchandise. And, you know, empty stadiums aren't going to do much. So I I have a feeling that they're going to try and come up with a plan to to get at least some fans in the stadium come springtime, even if, you know, God willing, this this pandemic is behind us. They're going to try and get fans in the stands as best they can because they need it. Because I, I mean, I don't see the MLB surviving very long, it or or being sustainable if this is the, this is the way we're gonna work, you know. One
1: hundred percent, TV ratings is not going to do it for the MLB. If you look at the ratings, the World Series was outbeaten by Sunday Night Football Game Five. Uh, it, it's not going to do it for them. Like you said, they need what's in the seats and they need merchandise sales other than that uh they're they're going to be in a little trouble in terms of money
0: yeah definitely um i think again that's another that's another mark for steve cohen right there because he he automatic no he automatically boosts the value of the league he he, he makes the value of all the teams go up he makes it he make he draws fans into the seats because a team will be exciting and will sign free agents like that that's a consideration that the, that the that the teams are going to have.
1: You're 100% right in terms of the Mets and the New York area, but even broader than that, it's it's a really a covid concern. They have to figure out some sort of way to get fans in the seats. We've seen what the NFL has done and it's been pretty successful separating people. They even did it at the World Series. This is something I can see Going on into next season, if not allowing even more fans to go into the arenas.
0: Definitely, definitely, and and look, if 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 things are progressing the way that we're told they are, we'll have a vaccine hopefully by the end of this year. It, it'll be it'll be you know distributed sooner rather than later. I'm not going to say when that'll be because obviously we don't know. We don't know most of this stuff, but but God willing, if it does if it does get to that point, I think that you're going to see all of these all of these public health measures slowly get rolled back and there's going to be more of an opportunity for fans to get back in the stands. I personally would love to go to a baseball game sooner rather than later. Yes, yeah, same. all of us all of us would. And I mean, hopefully hopefully things work out in the end. We're going to stop for a quick PSA here on 89.1 WFNM Lancaster. We will be right back.
2: My husband is a wonderful man. He's a great father, funny and loving when he's not drinking. When he drinks, he becomes a complete stranger, angry and mean, not the man I fell in love with. I've become really good at pretending everything's okay for the kid's sake, but it's taking a toll on me. I'm so angry that my husband chooses alcohol over us. If he really loved us, he'd stop drinking, right? My counselor suggested I try Al-Anon family groups. At first, I didn't understand why she wanted me to go. I'm not the one with the problem, but I'm glad I went. I heard people's stories, and they sound exactly like mine. I knew I was in the right place. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? You are not alone. Alanon or Alatine can help. For more information, call 1-866-200-0033 or visit alanon.org/slash hope.
0: I rescued Toast from a shelter in 2011. I knew... Okay, and we're back. So, next topic that we're going to talk about to, to wrap up the show for the last eight minutes. Um, UFC 254. lot went down. Um, we had, you know, a new a new pound-for-pound pound king. That's Khabib Nurmagomedov. Choked out. Justin Gaethje, second round. I believe it was a triangle. So, congrats to Khabib! Right after the fight, he announced his retirement. He said he could not fight anymore without his father. His father, of course, died uh, this year because of COVID nineteen. Um, yeah. So it was it was a crazy a crazy night. I'm sad that that uh, Justin Gaethje lost. I mean, Steve and I have seen him live uh, fight live. He fought Edson Barbosa in Philly in 2019. We were both there. Um, it was awesome and i mean after his last fight against uh against tony ferguson tony ferguson by the way is an athletic freak let's just put that out there right now like that man will not go down he will not be knocked out he is insane and justin justin gaethje got a stoppage on him like and and came out of that fight pretty much unscathed Like, he didn't, he looked like he was just, he just worked out. Like, he didn't even get, it looked like he didn't even get hit. He was fantastic, that fight. And after that, I thought he was going to maybe even pull it out. If he could keep it on the, if he could keep it up, up, like, keep the fight on on the feet, maybe he'd have a chance, but Khabib's wrestling is just too good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, total and utter dominance, honestly. I mean, I I thought that if there was anybody who had a chance against Khabib, it would be Gaethje, you know, all-American wrestler you know, he would definitely have a, a shot at handling him in the grappling side of things. But if you, if you watch that fight, you saw just total and utter dominance. And Khabib was able to figure out that, to pull off a triangle choke from the mount. And now they're, now D, Daniel Cormier says that he talked to Khabib after the fight. And Khabib said that the only reason he pulled off the triangle was because he was about to go for an arm bar, but then decided in the moment that he didn't want to hurt Justin Gaethje in that bad in front of his parents. So he went for the triangle choke instead.
0: Yeah, and and it's it's really like they have a lot of respect for each other. Like Justin Gaethje, they're they're different fighters. Justin Gaethje's striking is is absolutely fantastic, and Khabib's Khabib's ground game is the best in the world. That's that's a known thing. He he is the best gra- He is the best grappler in the sport or was now that he now that he has announced his retirement so i mean it was it was a matchup of two different strengths and as we've seen the best grappler usually takes it if you can choke a guy out you know you you waste less energy and whatever and justin gaethje after the fight was like you know i i said earlier on this year i said that i have five brawls left in me like five absolute melees and he said i still have five to go like like he's like after this fight he said the be- the good thing about getting choked out is that you don't waste that much energy like you don't get hurt like you just go to sleep so he he's ready he said he's ready to fight in 6 weeks and i'm excited to see what 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 the UFC brings to him i honestly don't think that he's going to fight by i don't think he's going to fight by the end of the year i really don't i know that he wants to but i don't think he's going to fight by the end of the year
1: well i think the i think the UFC cards are all booked up for the rest of the year so i don't think there's any
0: yeah, and even into January, I know I know that that Conor McGregor is is fighting in January. Yeah, he's fighting Dustin Poirier.
1: That's the big news: is that now the fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier might be now might be the fight for the vacant lightweight title.
0: Which I I, I don't I don't agree with because Conor McGregor hasn't fought like he. I, I understand I understand that, and there's so many fighters that have that are so much more deserving, like. Tell me, tell me that that Justin Gaethje, after after the, after the dominance he's put on the past few fights, yes, he got choked out by, by, by Khabib Nurmagomedov, but but a lot of people saw that coming.
1: He's still the number four ranked lightweight going up against the number which, two. Which I
0: find, which I find ridiculous, frankly.
1: You can find it ridiculous all you want, but that's what that's what's on paper. Who's, rank, who's ranked number
0: one? Is it still is it still? It's uh, Gaethje? Gaethje. Yeah. yeah.
1: So he he, he had the, he was the interim champion, and now he's ranked number one.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I honestly don't think that that you can make that into the into the championship bout just because just because you know those guys are ranked lower than Gaethje and Gaethje deserves a title shot. He does. The, Khabib. He, it,
1: I mean, what about the argument that he just got his title shot and now he's coming off of a loss?
0: Yeah, I, I mean that's true. I, I I don't disagree. It's it's a hard it's a hard thing to. It's definitely like a a question of if if they feel that he's he's worthy of another title shot after a loss, which it was it was a loss despite despite of everything around it. So I I don't know. I mean I think I think that this is a this is a decision that Dana White has to make. I think that. Honestly, yes, Conor McGregor's marketable, but I think that a lot of UFC fans are tired of him. I think that a lot of UFC fans are tired of his antics, are are tired of the fact that he that he is so he's so stuck up that he won't actually go and fight unless he's given all of these like extra, you know these like these like stipulations and everything and he's getting paid all this money. I think that he just I think that, that a lot of UFC fans are sick and tired of it. So yeah, well, we
1: can talk about McGregor for the rest of the night. But I think the biggest news coming out of that uh, UFC 254 is that Khabib is now ranked the number one pound-for-pound fighter.
0: Yeah, and the, I, mean, I mean, that, that, that of course, that, that I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you kind of have to considering the fact that he's undefeated and he was absolutely dominant in the UFC. But I, I can understand why Jon Jones is pissed. <laughs> I, think, I
1: think that the UFC, Dana White, and a lot of fans are just prisoners of the moment here. I mean, yes. In, yeah. Khabib has fought with total, utter dominance in all of his tw- 29 fights. Never. 13, they say 13 lost, UFC fights. They say he's lost one round in all that time. Uh, but he's only defended the belt four times now compared to John Jones's 15 times. And now John Jones is moving up a weight class because he's looking for some more.
0: Yeah, but the only, the only reason he's moving up a weight class is because, is because Cormier retired that's the only reason
1: exactly there's not enough there's no competition in that weight class anymore for him 15 title defenses compared to but i also i, I also actually fighting in a new weight class talk about pound for pound
0: i also think that that stipe is going to kill john jones i think that stipe is just i think that also Derek lewis would would kill john jones in that division Derek lewis derrick lewis now that he's working on his cardio is a beast I think that John John Jones, while he has the length, he has trouble finishing guys, and I think that, that a big guy like like Derek Lewis or Stephen Miocić will be a struggle for him. I think that light heavyweight was his place and heavyweights can be a struggle.
1: Alright, let's just not be prisoners of the moment here.
0: I, I, I totally. I, I don't disagree. You know, I, I just think I, I, I worry about I worry about how he's gonna fare in that in that division, that's all. Anyway, we're done. So this has been Sports with Sam and Steve for October 27, 2020. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining in, um, and we will see you next week. Thank you. See you soon.